Welcome to A Fruitful Life, a podcast featuring the teaching ministry of Rick Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. And now, A Fruitful Life. Hello, and welcome to A Fruitful Life with Rick Clendenin. Today, Brother Rick brings us the first in a two-part series called The Next Move of God. This series looks at the criteria for the next move of God, first personally and then globally. In the first session, Brother Rick teaches us the things God is looking for to create the next move of God in us. In the second session, he shares concepts that bring a move of God in the world and what needs to happen to experience the glory of the Lord in our lives. On this broadcast, this message was taught at the City of Hope Church in Manchester, Kentucky. On this broadcast, Brother Rick begins the message by asking his wife Debbie to come forward and read his text, found in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Then he'll teach us the three reasons the crowd thought Jesus should move in the situation in our text today. And now, here's Brother Rick. Vivid in my imagination. Sometimes I scare my own self. Just what I can think of, but he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that. He's able. Look at your name and say, he's able. So, I need God to move, and I know God can move. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you believe he's still able to move? <laughs> I wrote on Facebook last week, you know, I, I'm Facebooker now. I, I stayed away from that stuff for years. I told you all before I was waiting for YouTube Facebook and Twitter to get together, and then I just have to learn one thing, and we'll call it you twit face. But anyway, I've been Facebooking in it, and I wrote on there last week about God's ability to move in your life, but you can't judge his ability by your situation. You'll make a mistake when you think God can't fix what you've messed up. There's nothing too dirty. He can't make worth it. There's nothing past his ability. And we need to understand that. But I want to go another question. And this is where we really get down to the rubber meeting the road. How many of you are trying to get God to move? (laughs) How many knows what I'm talking about? You're trying to get God to move. It's like you're on your best behavior. It's like before you pray, you read 10 chapters. Oh, God, (laughs) I just read 10 chapters. I need you to move. (laughs) I know y'all ain't ever done that. I can tell by your laughter. (laughs) It's very hard to get God on your page. In fact, I discovered after 40 years, he ain't even reading my book. I sure ain't going to get him on my page. And trying to get God to move is a difficult thing, isn't it? How many of us tried real hard several different ways to get God to move? Would you just be honest? Hold up your hand. My last question is, how's that working for you? It ain't working too good. It seems like God, whether we realize it or not, actually knows he's God. He's not confused. <laughs> you know, you may be as confused as a tooth fairy in a nursing home, but God <laughs> knows that he's God. And that he's able to do whatever he wants to. And that's where frustration sets in. When you know God could move right now, but he don't seem to want to. 
And we start trying to make him get us out of this. And some things he don't want to get us out of. He wants to take us through to develop us. And we're, we're trying to get on the other side of it, whatever it takes. Just save me, Lord. And we just push and shove and everything we can do. We get so frustrated. And, and God's at work all the time. God's never resting. He's at work all the time. And we need to learn to rest in him and realize he's up to something. He's up to something. And this morning I feel like he's up to something. I just feel like he's up to something. But, you know, when I read the Bible anymore, I, I really am thankful that God didn't edit the Bible. You know, he talked about Noah getting drunk and Abraham being a liar. David being a daughter. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me, would you like to be in the Bible? Uh-uh, because there's a lot of people reading it and God didn't clean it up. Amen. <laughs> I don't think I want my life on display. How about you? You know, it'd been great to stand in the crowd, maybe the 5,000, so he wouldn't pick me out. But anyway, how many of you know he's, he's at work in us? And he accepts us like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. But when I start reading the Bible now, I get tickled because I see myself in it. I want to read a story in Luke chapter 7 today. Now, this is a story where people try and get Jesus to move. And I don't know. I just find it to be kind of funny. I want Deb to come and she'll read this for you. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And, and I want you to look at how these people are trying to maneuver Jesus. In case you feel like you're lonely in your attempt to get him to move, I want you to listen closely to these verses. Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed." For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Read that again. Listen to what Jesus said. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. We're here this week to speak on daring faith. What kind of faith moves the heart of God Let's just pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I know you've directed this service. Lord, we've sung my message. But God, right now, your word 
has the ability to change our situation. And we are needful people this morning in need of a move of your spirit, Lord, and a touch of your hand. And nothing else can change our situation, Lord. Give us ears to hear and understanding hearts. But above that, Lord, make us pliable to your word that it can bring forth fruit to your kingdom and glory to your name. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone in agreement together said, Amen. I love how this starts off with the religious folks. This morning I talked about how religion will tie you to your past and block you from your future. I mean, never know religion never help you. And a religious view is what I was talking about a while ago. Trying to get God to move. Look at what they said. Jesus, you ought to move for three reasons. And it's very important you understand these reasons. Number one, this man is worthy of your move. That's what that business is when we say, Lord, I read 10 chapters. We are trying to get ourselves worthy. I remember I used to people come to the altar and I'd try to help them because they were there and they'd say, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And I used to try to prop them up and encourage them. Yeah, you're worthy. Then I realized I was lying to them because they wasn't worthy. <laughs> and then I kind of flipped too much in the other ditch. They'd come up and say, I ain't worthy. And I'd say, you ain't joking. You ain't worthy. Listen, if you were worthy, it wouldn't be grace. It'd be reward. And let me tell you something you don't need. You don't need reward for how worthy you are. If you get what you deserve, you in some serious trouble because <laughs> you don't deserve anything to do with grace. None. Grace means unmerited. Thank God he didn't give you what you deserve. And when you think you deserve something, you need to back up and punt because you're way out of place. See, they said he's worthy. He's worthy. And when Jesus didn't seem to pay him any mind, they said, he's worthy, and he's loving. He's loving. He's loving. He's a loving guy. You know, Jesus, you're a loving cause. He loves you. How many has ever tried to tell Jesus you love him so you could get Jesus to love you back, not realizing he loved you first? Amen? Lord, don't you love me? How many of you know the devil will come tell you Jesus don't love you? Can I go a little step farther? Did you know you have never sinned ever in your life that first the devil didn't change your view of the love of God? Do you know every time you've ever fallen flat on your face, it's because the devil started out telling you that God didn't love you? Did you know that was the original sin? He told Adam and Eve, said, God don't love you, and he's trying to keep you from being like him. If you'd eat this fruit, you'd be like him. Did you know every time you've ever fallen, he's convinced you of the same thing, that God don't love you? Can I help you this morning? God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. How many of you know you wasn't loving when he loved you? How many of you, let's go a step farther. How many of you didn't even love yourself when he loved you? He didn't even love me when he showed his love towards me. I hated me, in fact, when he showed his love towards me. So they said, God, listen, this guy is worthy, and this guy is loving, and this guy's done some great stuff. See, good works, that's when we try to get God to move because we think we've done something to gain his attention. Amen? Good works. See, listen, he built us a synagogue. This guy is awesome. And you ought to move because look what he's done. 
I remember walking into church in 1982, and I had all kind of positions. And I thought if I held enough positions, I had value. So I was doing stuff I wasn't even gifted to do, most of it, in fact. I was working 100 hours a month at the church, plus 40 hours on a job. I was there all the time. I walked into church, we had a big cross on the back of our church, and somebody left a light on the cross, it fluorescent, it was shining. And I was feeling so good, and I knew that Jesus was just tickled because I was on his team. I was walking to the church on Saturday at 2 o'clock because we was there. Debbie's going to do the bulletin. I was going to get everything ready for Jesus. And I got to the second pew, and the Lord said to me, when are you going to work for me? And I said, do what? When am I going to work for you? And I stopped at the second pew, and I, I read him my pedigree. Told him what all I was doing for him. I thought he'd been off creating worlds and stuff. He didn't realize how valuable I was to the kingdom. And I told him, you know, I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm doing that for you. You know, surely, surely you know how valuable I am. You know, I've been doing all this stuff. And, and he said a word to me. He said, you're not doing this for me. You're doing that for you. And I said, do what? And he said to me, I've never told you to do those things. And then he said something that scared the snot out of me. He said, did you know I can't reward anything I've not commanded? And I realized all the stuff I gathered was wood, hay, and stubble because he had never told me to do it. I was just doing it because I was trying to work for a dead historical figure that had died, you know, Jesus. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast from A Fruitful Life. We hope that you'll tell your friends and family about the podcast. And if you like, join us on social media by liking our AFL Facebook page or by following Brother Rick's posts on Twitter. You can also find us on the web at afruitfullife.org. A Fruitful Life is the radio and media ministry of Rick and Debbie Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. You may find out more about Brother Rick's life and legacy by visiting our website. Once again, that's a fruitfullife.org. Thanks for listening.